I'm leading them on a journey. So most times people think with their sales cycles and sales funnels, they'll make an email and you do a series, maybe three to five email touch points. In the same way with your social media, you do the same thing. And kudos to you if you do an extra bonus of referencing previous posts. If a post does really well from the same source material, and I have five other posts that's sitting out there in the universe, let me pull up those links and drive it back into the cycle of those posts. And now you're reviving and bringing new life into your content strategy. Yes, it's the same old material. But if Taco Bell can take five ingredients and sell you a different ways on it and get you excited by literally the same product with the same material, just slightly modified. And now it's the bee's knees for the next three quarters. You can do that in your business using the same piece of content in a high quality, high demanding distribution way. Dude, Taco Bell takes five ingredients and creates a hundred piece menu. And why aren't we? That's an awesome, awesome way to think about it, Troy. I'd never thought about that. If you're looking for a new podcast, the Female Startup Club shares tips, tactics, and strategies from the world's most successful female founders, entrepreneurs, and women in business to inspire you to take action and get what you want out of your career. The Female Startup Club, hosted by Doon Roshin, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. Now, you know how much I love breaking down the barriers and walls to have very diverse conversations in the podcast space. And the Female Startup Club does just that. Dune interviews various dynamic individuals to give you the insight, the knowledge, and information you need to be a better business person yourself. Some episodes that come to mind are the five steps to building an impactful community in 2022 with tips from ex-Glossier community lead Kim Johnson, six quick questions with Amy Yang, founder of Better Brand and The Better Bagel, interviewing people like Sarah Paji Yu, founder and CEO of Blue Lane, and so many others. Listen to the Female Startup Club wherever you get your podcasts. The worst advice I've ever got. If you build it, they will come. That's terrible. If you build it, they will come. Dude, that didn't happen in Field of Dreams. That doesn't, or maybe it did, but nowhere else does that happen, man. So, Troy, who the hell gave you that advice, dude? We're not going to mention the CEO's name for the record, but let's say they work for a Fortune 500 organization. No way. So they shared that with you. And so what were they hoping that you would build? I'm not looking for you to get super specific, but was it, was it like a, a website? Was it an app? Like what, what the heck were you supposed to be building, Troy? Oh, it was a smorgasbord. It was a full buffet. It was a full-fledged new updated website, full-fledged series of content and some videos. And just build it and people will come like it's nothing. They'll just show up. Magic. Take my money now is a meme from Futurama would be. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's so interesting. So Troy, you're known as a strategy hacker. So I'm gonna guess you actually have to have a strategy before you get into this building stuff, right? Is that is that kind of your philosophy, Troy? 
That's pretty much the code. You kind of can't start building if you don't have the blueprint, y'all. Make sure you got your perms at the code. You got the materials. You budget out the costs. You got the workers. Every, you know what the picture, final picture looks like? Because you can't build something if you don't know what the vision even looks like. So, yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. Okay. So, so strategy is the blueprint, right? Strategy is we got it laid out. We got the, this here and that there. I want a living room here and I want a website here. And a, so, so talk to me, Troy, as, as you're someone I know who busts apart these processes. What what do I need to be thinking about as it comes to a strategy if I'm starting a new organization, a new company? I think the first thing, and, I, and everyone who you heard me talk, you already know, is clarity. If you're so uncertain about what the end result is, about the destination, about what the big picture looks like, we can't build a strategy for you. You have to come in certain about, here's where I'm trying to go to, and here's where I am. If we know where point A is and we know where point B is, we can build a strategy, the roadmap, the GPS, whatever you want to call it, around it. Without those two points, we can't help you because we don't know the full T, the full facts of where you are. And this is the moment where you be transparent, honest, and real with yourself, with your business, with your situation, awareness, all the T, and be very clear about what does success look like? What do you want your business to achieve? What's the goal? What's the KPI? What's the OKR? What is it that you need to achieve? And then we just plot the points to get you from point A to point B. What's up, digital world? You're listening to the I Digress audio experience with Troy Sandage. Social media, marketing, storytelling, business, culture, and more. Coming to you in three, two, one. So, so give, let's get specific here, Troy. So, point A would be okay. I'm making a two fifty a year, and point B would be I want to make a million dollars a year. Is that what we're talking about here? And it could be just as simple as that. Currently, right now, I'm making 250000 I have maybe a smorgasbord of four to five clients. I would like to see that expanded. So I have multiple pegs keeping me grounded because, you know, this pandemic season is still kind of crazy. And we want to grow and either scale from the current client base we have or strategically bring on new clientele that has a more uh, profit margin or maybe more retainer base that could get me to that seven-figure growth in the deadline being by next year. So we got... 12 months, we want to go from three to five clients, maybe nine to 12 clients and having a profit margin of X, Y, Z to get to $1.5 million. Okay. Okay. So there's, there's a little more there, right? So a little more. Mm-hmm. So we got our points, we have that, and now we're fleshing this out here. So now we've got new business, you know, the new ish business, we say, uh, we've got that, we've got a time frame as well. And then what do we want that to look like, right? Do we want new clients? Do we want to grow with the existing clients? I mean, what what else should we be thinking about here, Troy? Definitely, I would think, go with what you currently have in your client base and look at, can we get more opportunities from them? They already know how you work. You have rapport, you have relationship, assuming you're in good standings. And if they're growing, that means there's opportunity for you to grow with them. Either they're gonna be an extended buyer, they're gonna re-sign, sign up, add more service, more products, or, and this people don't really think about, is to ask them, to refer a new business to you. They already know the language to the very people they're talking to and they can vouch for you. And that transition can, can reduce your sales conversations, your sales process, and at least the time to qualify, disqualify. This is going to be a, a good opportunity and timeline much faster with them leading the realm and you just coming up to being that supportive arm to them. Mm. That's so interesting because I'll, I'll tell you, Troy, a lot of the businesses I work with, they don't they don't ask for those referrals. They don't they don't say that. So so why not? And I know that because you do this. Why are people not asking for those referrals? You know, I, I don't know. I think I would assume, you know what they say about assume, but I'm going to use the word assume. Don't judge me, y'all. I would assume the pandemic and what has happened has caused us to wake up a little bit 
and be clear about, hey, I just I just need to get to this destination, these goals. And we got to relinquish our pride and our ego. And if our current client base is our in to get the destination that we want, our shortcut that when the GPS says, hey, if you want to take this route, you're going to cut 30 minutes off your time. You're going to click that route and you're going to take it. And so I think it's just people being aware and understanding that stop focusing on. Now, again, we want to be more unethical. I'm not denouting that. I'm saying stop focusing on, oh, it doesn't count if I do all this work, if I don't do all the constant sales processes, the pitch decks, go through multiple decision makers. If I can go through my client and they can even direct to the decision maker and it says one conversation, one phone call, one Zoom call, one in person, one handshake, and the deal is done. I don't know why you wouldn't take it. And I think the part of it is we think we have to get business a certain way and we're used to it a certain way. And we're not allowing ourselves the opportunity to try other things, especially when our current client base can be our biggest fans to open those doors we can't open by ourselves. Yeah. Wow. So that's that makes business so much faster and so yeah. much simpler if we want to grow, if we just ask for those referrals. That's brilliant, man. Okay, I've got that. That's one growth strategy, one growth hack. I love that. That's a great reminder for me, and hopefully for those listening. But now let's talk about content, Troy. People talk about content quality, right? We got to build this and build that and all of that. But you say, what good is quality if no one's here to see it? So what does that mean, Troy? Like, how, how do we get that scene? So for me, I think about when people say we should buy a car. I don't care how long it took you to design the newest decks on the car or the new features on the car or you picked a certain paint job, whatever, and you called it version two, version X, Y, Z, whatever. The quality of that car is going to dictate not by how long it took you to create it, but by the user when they get in that experience and they feel it and they smell it and they know, oh, that engine, oh, it drives smooth. It feels all these certain things and caveats. In the same way with your business and how you create certain content, quality is not subject to how long it took you, how much money you spent on it, because there's people just iPhone killing you out the water with just an iPhone. So if that is the case, quality is subjective to the audience seeing it and it moving them the needle. And the only way we can know if the quality is of high par is if enough distribution is done so we can have enough data to tell me this content is of high quality versus, well, it took me 35 hours to make. It cost me $5,000 to produce that video. I put it on YouTube and boom, I know we're going to blow some water. We about to have, you know, 10x ROI, baby, by next month. Crickets. Nothing. Why? Because quality is, is subjective to those who consume. The more you consume, the more data you'll tell you if it's of high quality or is not of high quality. So they weren't wrong when they say quality is king. It's understanding that the quality is not from your perspective. It's a perspective of your ideal audience that you're trying to attract to sign that contract, pay you exchange for money for the offer that you provide. So how do we get more distribution? What's a, Give me some tactics or some hacks used to get more distribution. I think this is where strategy, I know strategy, I, I get it, uh, comes into play here, even with your content creation. A good piece of quality content should at least be able to distribute it to 10 different channels. So for example, we do this interview, you know, Phil, Phil's amazing, you know, whatever. We, I'm not, I'm just fanboying. We're not going to talk about that right now. My point is when we're doing this conversation, okay, we're at an hour, right? Cool. This is one video. 
Check that up. We got short video snippets. We got audiograms. We got quote graphics, short form posts, long form posts. All that could be out there. Now, then distribute that per LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter threads. You can even repeat it as a replay on Clubhouse or Twitter spaces. Now, we just took this one hour and can crank out 20 extended hours of users to consume it in different facets that makes sense to them. Now, the quality is, it's good content. We're pushing it out there. And we're going to get a lot of data and feedback back in different channels, letting us know what landed, what didn't land it. How can we position, test the waters and other platforms maybe we're not so sure about? Now, to me, that's a quality piece of content because you had a good strategy to say how we're going to distribute this out. Because let me ask you all this for those who are rhetorically, you know, listen, this is a rhetorical question for you. I bet you all have like at least 30 videos, a lot of ideas of content that's been sitting on your computer, sitting on your phone. It's there. It's great. And you ain't never distributed. It's just there. You recorded it. It's there. You had one YouTube video live stream just sitting there. Ain't doing nothing. Collecting digital dust. Ain't doing nothing. But it's a quality content that no one's seen because you haven't distributed enough. If 90% of the people now are always on this screen, whether you're on your phone, your computer, and they're constantly being bombarded with a minimum of 40,000 touch points of ads daily, you think just posting that one time is supposed to make you the money that you want? The squeaky wheel gets the oil because people are seeing it consistently enough to, in their top of mind, to understand, I need to maybe be a buyer. I should be an advocate. Maybe I should be the elevator for this person. And honestly, it's not just in the content creation. A lot of it is that we don't distribute enough and enough volume for enough people to see it enough, to trust you enough to say, I want to buy. I want to work with Phil. I want to make things happen in 2022. Wow. The business that provides the best service wins. So how does a HubSpot CRM platform help you scale your service? Team email, conversation routing, and the HubSpot mobile app. Connect team-wide email addresses to your shared inbox. Turn incoming emails into tickets or send them straight into your shared inbox. No more questions slipping through the cracks. Conversation routing. Automatically assign incoming customer chats and emails to the right member of your team for seamless service at the right time. Work from anywhere with the HubSpot mobile app. Highlights include business, card scanning, caller ID, and more. And it is available for iOS and Android. Look, it's all about being better connected in a seamless way so you can provide customer service like never before. The HubSpot CRM platform helps you do that and more. Learn how to grow better by connecting your people, your customers, and your business at HubSpot.com. So I'll tell you, Troy, personally, I've always felt spammy if I share stuff too much. <laughs> but you're saying at least 10, probably 20. We've got an hour here. Reassure me, man. So you're sure that's not spammy? Like my audience is not going to say, come on, man. You said that yesterday. Now, the other component of strategy is not just being redundant and broadcast, 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 broadcast. You have this content now. Now you have to tone in a way to create a two-way conversation. So you're breaking it apart, you're dissecting the topics and themes of maybe five minute segments here or a stanza there for a post or whatever. And you're breaking it down, but you're asking questions. You're trying to have conversation, trying to have dialogue. I can take this same video here, slice it up and do a series theme that could span for the next two months 
breaking down certain subject matter, asking questions. Now the feel is you're pulling from the same source material. Yes, but each experience is different and unique and it's not looking like I copied and paste, copied and paste, copied and paste, because that doesn't help you either. It is about having that balance of distribution properly, but in the mindset of I'm leading them on a journey. So most times people think with their sales cycles and sales funnels, will make an email and you do a series, maybe three to five email touch points. In the same way with your social media, you do the same thing. And kudos to you if you do an extra bonus of referencing previous posts. If a post does really well from the same source material, and I have five other posts that are sitting out there in the universe, let me pull up those links and drive it back into the cycle of those posts. And now you're reviving and bringing new life into your content strategy. Yes, it's the same old material. But if Taco Bell can take five ingredients and sell you a different ways on it and get you excited by literally the same product with the same material, just slightly modified. And now it's the bee's niche for the next three quarters. You can do that in your business using the same piece of content in a high quality, high demanding distribution way. Dude, Taco Bell takes five ingredients and creates a hundred piece menu. And why aren't we? That's an awesome, awesome way to think about it, Troy. I'd never thought about that, you know? And I've, I've listened to your stuff for a long time, man. And I've, you know, I, I, I have admiration for you too, my friend. And so I think about that, the Taco Bell way of doing that. That's so, so interesting. So let's talk about that, Troy. Let's talk about ingredients as we talk about you know, a live stream, right? Maybe repurposing a live stream. It, do we take each question? I mean, what do we, how do, how do we do that, Troy? Because I, again, I, I don't do that as well as I'd like to. So I'm sure those listening are like, well, I may not do that as well either. So talk to me about what that looks like, Troy. All right, we're about to go down a rabbit hole. I know Let's the go. Big Matrix. I'm a big Matrix fan, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm fanning, I'm fanning. All right, here we go, here we go. The reason why you should do a live stream for any other video production piece is that one, as you're going live, you're literally creating content in real time. It's it's posted for you. That's that's the first one. The first thing is getting it out there on the internet. And so you did that. So maybe you're using StreamYard, uh, Restream, whatever, and it's posted on YouTube, it's posted on LinkedIn. Uh, you can still post it on Twitter, things like that. So great. So let's say you check mark LinkedIn and YouTube. Done. That's great. Two videos technically have been posted on your accounts. It's going to help your SEO. First thing. Great. And again, a lot of people aren't doing LinkedIn Live. So still, it's going to bring in those replays. People sleep on the replays. So the blueprint is this. I'm looking through this video, right? And we're seeing people who comment at certain sections. That tells me if someone took the effort to put a comment on a live stream at a certain point, note that. Go back and reply to them, but note that point. Because that tells me that's a segment that needs to be snippet out and repurposed as content. And so if you're getting key common engagement, let's say the live stream is 30 minutes and you have, you know, core about five to 10 where people are just commenting on those sections. Well, those are those sections to repurpose in short condensed videos, in long form and short form pieces of content. And I'll give you one thing better. You can see everyone who comment. Why don't you tag them in the post where you go a little bit deeper into that segment? Ooh. So you add an engagement and you're using those who commented as igniters for new conversations, referencing them. Now you're just doing all this at the same time. Community touch points, engagement touch points, and people remember that. So imagine you do a live stream for 30 minutes with prospects and tell you that 10% of those who engage are your potential buyer. And let's say they commented and you tag and reference and go a little bit deeper on these segments of source material of that live stream piece. You know how well it's going to land with them? And okay, I'm struggling trying to have these conversations 
You just did it for they they gave you the ammunition to solve their problem for them and walk them through what does it look like to work with you? What does it look like to buy your product, your service, your offering, whether you're in tech, SaaS, B2B, BTC, doesn't matter. The system works, baby. It works. And you need to take that from a 30-minute live stream. So you got that core 30-minute live stream that may splice up to five to ten minute segments, five to ten individual micro segments, and then you Sprinkle that in with short first content. You can do that a LinkedIn article recap. You can do a blog recap. And then you can just say, hey, people ask me these core questions from my last live stream. I want to go deeper. And you start referencing people and tag them in the time that the next live stream is done. That process is going to work. And so imagine doing all of that versus I got to record. My lighting ain't right. I don't know how I sound. That limits all that when you go live. When you press record, it is what it is. But people forgive you. They don't care because they think you're so courageous. And now they see, you know how you go into a meeting and you will start asking questions because you ask questions, people assort you in a different authority. So you can start just asking questions or see people reference certain things. And so that's how you're taking live streaming. But that's just one possibility of how with strategy and live streaming can help you create a massive amount of content that hopefully give you more leads, get you more sales, make you more money so we can create the life that we want better in 2022. This is another strategy accelerator brought to you by agency accelerated podcast with stephanie Liu, powered by agora pulse did you know that according to social toaster on average brands generate 650 percent roi for every dollar invested in influencer and advocacy marketing and yet the vast majority of brands and agencies today still do not have a customer advocacy program we all know that word of mouth is still undefeated. It's still the most powerful marketing channel there is in this universe, in the metaverse, in every universe. But how do you leverage and scale word of mouth? It's through a customer advocacy program. Well, on this spotlight, Stephanie Liu interviews Kevin Lau, the global head of customer advocacy at Adobe, where he has developed customer advocacy and retaining strategies to drive brand loyalty, customer thought leadership, and customer evangelism. Kevin was recently named the number one customer marketing and advocacy influencer out there. Here's a snippet and enjoy this strategy accelerator. 84% of consumers say they trust peer recommendations above all other sources of advertising. But it's one thing to want your customers to talk about your brand, and then it's another thing to encourage it and foster the kinds of relationship that you would make customers want to rave about you. Yeah? So whether you're looking to develop a program for your own agency or on behalf of your clients, there's going to be a lot of work to be done. Hey, Kevin, so tell us a little bit about your role at Adobe and help our viewers understand what customer advocacy means to you. I've been at Adobe now for a little bit over five years. I actually came from the Marquette acquisition a couple of years, couple of years back. So I was really deep in all things kind of marketing automation, building scale, how to kind of engage and nurture your customers. And what we actually think about what customer actually means to us is really about how do we turn our customers into raving fans of Adobe products and solutions. And so we have kind of built out a center of excellence around all things customer engagement, 
and kind of influencing what does that journey look like from the time that they sign the paperwork on the dotted line to becoming a user to the time that they have a real conversation with our Adobe account teams and making sure that we, you know, surprise and delight them throughout that process. Oh, I love the surprise and delight process because there's nothing like when you're an agency and you sign up for your SaaS platform and you have like the salesperson that's super excited to solve your problems mm-hmm. and all the different things. And then all of a sudden you sign on the dotted line and they're like, poof, gone. You're like, what the... What happened? (laughs) I love it. So what do you think customer advocacy is important, particularly from the perspective of a marketing agency? You know, I actually got my first start in the social media world. And I would say, especially if you're trying to build up your clientele, you're trying to create that image that you're larger than life. I think this is a great opportunity to actually think about who are your diehard customers, you know, you can rely on pretty heavily to help kind of advocate on your behalf. And it doesn't have to be an amazing, like, you know, getting thousands of people to write you know, great reviews about you. It could really just be a handful of some of your top customers, you know, treating them as VIPs and giving them the tools and resources to help, you know, talk about your company, your brand and your solution. And so I think it can start off very similar to how, you know, if you're running social marketing campaigns, really focused on surprise and delight, activating those users to help you with maybe a launch. Those are some kind of things to to create those light bulb moments in your eyes about how you can leverage advocates in your company. I love that. You know, as, as someone who live streams a lot, whenever one of my favorite platforms, they reach out and like, hey, do you want to be a beta tester? They're like, wow. You know, I'm like, first look. I mean, you and I both know this, you know, just being like into Marvel and and Star Wars and all the different things. But when you have like the first peak, right, like the first trailer and you get to like see all the cool things, that to me is like the VIP roll out the red carpet. You know, it's like, hey, look at me now. Doug just chimed in here with some layman's terms. The content from comments creating is user generated content. It's powerful. And I totally agree, Doug. That's right on. That's what Troy said there. So, Troy. We start out with this strategy, right? We know who our customer is. We know where we want to go. We know all of this. Now, you you mentioned live streaming. And I, I will say, I'm, I love live streaming. I like to be able to think in the moment. I like to be present. And I also love podcasts. And your podcast is on the HubSpot Podcast Network, which is pretty That's darn great. cool, man. So so talk to me. Is, is your podcast the same as a live stream or, or what's the difference? So I'm a person who deliberately, though I know I'm very charming and I'm very energetic on camera, I chose to eliminate as much friction as possible. So I do not do video recording. Um, and it's, a, it's an art to podcasting. I think sometimes some people can transition where they know what language they need to use to articulate during like live stream. You can see my enthusiasm. You can see my swag. You know, we got this conversation going. If they're just audio only, there's so much information they're not able to pick up. And so if you don't know how to articulate yourself from an audio and video simultaneously at the same time, and not many people are really good at it, if I'm doing podcasts, I need to be as intimate and focused on the listener through their ears. I strictly made an audio only, no video, told people from the jump, no more than 30 minutes, no matter what. And it's only going to be me. Now, those are two things that people are like, blasphemy, because everyone knows if you start a podcast, you want to have interviews because you only as good as your interviews. I'm like, I don't want that experience. I want people to come for me. And this is the one time I want to be selfish, but also if they're listening, they're listening for me because now I got to compete with, I got to have the next big interview, the next big interview every single time that's going to get capped out. And I didn't have, at the time, I didn't have the assistance. I didn't have the people to make sure I consistently do that because you know, life gets in the way, but I knew I can focus on 30 minutes 
record a topic and a theme in a very enthusiastic way, bring actual takeaways and come from the jump. But my podcast, I had key outline of what I'm going to talk about. And I don't make it very scripted. I'm reading. I don't like that because people can tell. But an outline to say, what am I, what's my punchline? And those who have listened to my podcast, they know in the first three minutes, I bring it pretty hard because I want you to, I want to get your attention. I want to challenge your thought process. I want you to be engaged for the next 15 to 20 minutes. And so having a process and an outline, eliminating friction and making it a way where I can be consistent because I knew if I couldn't be consistent at this podcasting thing, it would be a waste of my time. 90% of podcasters stop at episode seven, 90%. So if you get to pass episode seven, you did something. You achieve something. So you can tell the work that has been involved. And it's really about being consistent. So whether it's live streaming, whether it's podcasting, whether it's vlogging, whether it's LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, consistency over a span of time, kind of like investments. It's going to be dips. But if you just be consistent, you're going to see growth. It's numbers game. And you're always going to see growth. Talk to me about consistency, Troy. What does that mean sure. to you? I I know that, you know, if you want to scale quickly, people do daily. I couldn't commit to that. <laughs> and I knew that me doing monthly wouldn't be enough. Um, so I said, bi-weekly, I can do two episodes a month. And maybe if I want to be bonus and try to shoot for three. So I always shoot for three. Because now psychologically in my mind, I did more than what was required. My standard was two. I did three. Now, there were months. I only did one or two, but I knew that would be the goal. And I gave myself that grace to fulfill it and consistently roll through it. It is what been one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. I didn't realize how quickly, not that I quit, but I get bored easily. I struggle with consistency because I see that as something I have to do. And it's just, oh, I don't want to do it. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, and but it's different. And it's totally different when you start seeing money coming from it. Now you, you, it changes your whole world. You're like, it's something I get to do. Now I got to do, I get to do. And this is why coming with a strategy and knowing your weaknesses. I get bored easily. I need to be something so short, 30 minutes or less to the point. Here it is. That's my blueprint for me. And I'm sticking with it. And that's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Digress. What was your takeaway? Care to share your thoughts and tag Troy on social media? You can find him on all platforms at Find Troy. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review or comment for this episode from wherever you're listening. Looking for a marketing strategist to build the structure, strategies, and systems you need to get the success you want and the ROI you desire in your business? Book a discovery call to talk with Troy at findtroy.com. And as Troy's philosophy goes, imagination is the engine, content is the fuel, social media is the highway, marketing is the roadmap, sales is the destination, culture is the GPS. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 